Oh, praise the one who paid our debt. Amen. Yes, praise the one who paid our debt and washed us white as snow. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, the children, kiddos, you can head off to children's ministry. We are going to transition now to our sermon. So if you would like to open your Bibles to Matthew 5, 1 to 12, we're going to be starting a series today on the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. So uh, today's message is entitled Happiness Is. And the main idea is that the Beatitudes are a sure path to true happiness. The Beatitudes are a sure path to true happiness. Uh, before we get into the message, let me pray uh, for our time, and then we'll, we'll get into the word. Lord, you are worthy. Uh, you are worthy of our service. You're worthy of our worship. Lord, thank you that we now get to open up and study your word. Lord, please let us now hear from you. Let us hear from you. Lord, speak. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, please come. Please bless this time now as we open up your holy word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, happiness is. In 1967, the musical Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, was released off Broadway for the first time. Based on the characters originally created by Charles Schultz, the show went on tour in the US, landed on Broadway, and even was eventually released as a TV special on CBS. The show follows the trials and travails of Charlie Brown and his friends, and especially features Charlie Brown's crush and little red-haired girl throughout the play. And at the end of the play, Charlie Brown finds a little red pencil chewed up by the red-haired girl, which leads him and the rest of the cast to sing the song, Happiness. Happiness is finding a pencil. Pizza with sausage, telling the time. Happiness is learning to whistle, tying your shoe for the very first time. Happiness is playing the drum in your own school band. And happiness is walking hand in hand. Happiness is two kinds of ice cream, knowing a secret, climbing a tree. Happiness is five different crayons, catching a fly firefly, setting him free. Happiness is being alone every now and then, and happiness is coming home again. Happiness is morning and evening, daytime and nighttime too, for happiness is anyone and anything at all as loved by you. Happiness is having a sister, sharing a sandwich, getting along. Happiness is singing together when the day is through. And happiness is morning and evening, daytime and nighttime too. For happiness is anyone and anything at all that's loved by you. Well, there's a lot of truth to this song, Happiness. Especially as we get to the end, there's a lot of happiness to be found in getting along, singing together, and really just some of the simple joys of life. The song is sweet, and it attempts to answer the question of what happiness is 
by saying that happiness is trying your best and making the most of the things that you have in life. Above it. I've always loved the Charlie Brown Peanuts comic strip. However, I think something is missing here. If this song describes happiness, what happens when you lose something? When you can't climb a tree? When your crayons break? Or more seriously, when you're truly lonely or there is strife in your relationships? Or when you know a secret? And that secret's that you're being maligned behind your back for being a Christian. How can we be happy when those things are happening? How can we be happy in the real world and especially as Christians? Well, isn't Jesus kind? And that his first major sermon in the book of Matthew, Jesus answers all these, just these questions and more. Jesus shows us the path to true happiness. This morning, like I mentioned before, we're going to be beginning a series on the Beatitudes. For the next nine weeks, we'll be studying each of the Beatitudes in depth. And today, we're going to look at them as a whole and consider what can we learn and apply from this passage of Scripture. We're going to see many things today. That the Beatitudes are a dividing line between Christians and non-Christians. That all Christians are called to demonstrate all the qualities described in the Beatitudes. That the promises of the Beatitudes are both glorious and guaranteed. And ultimately, that the Beatitudes are the Jesus-prescribed path to true, lasting, and deep happiness. But before we do all that, Let's first read the passage. So Matthew 5, 1 to 12. Seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. On my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May God bless the preaching of his word. Jesus is a long-anticipated Messiah. That is the main idea of the book of Matthew, where we find ourselves today studying in the Beatitudes. Before we explore the Beatitudes, it's important that we establish the context of our passage. So let's briefly consider Matthew up to this point 
in the gospel, and then the Sermon on the Mount specifically. As just mentioned, Matthew's goal in writing his book is to make clear that Jesus is the long-anticipated Messiah. He is the one bringing the kingdom of God to earth. This can be seen in a number of memories stretching from the beginning of the book of Matthew. So, for example, remember, remember Jesus' birth as Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Remember Jesus' baptism when God pronounced over him, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Remember when Jesus began his ministry, preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remember when he called his disciples, traveled around Galilee, preached in the synagogues, and healed the sick. This is where we find ourselves today in the book of Matthew, with the Sermon on the Mount. All these memories remind us that Jesus is the Messiah, bringing the kingdom of God to earth. Okay, then we have the Sermon on the Mount. The major theme of the Sermon on the Mount is to describe life within the presence of God. Life within the presence of God. In this sermon, Jesus will present the Beatitudes and talk about anger, talk about lust, talk about divorce, giving. He will discuss many topics, but all will be in relation to living all of life in the presence of God, a living God who sees, who hears, and who knows all. He will answer the question of what does it mean to fear God practically, with our enemies when we pray, when we're anxious. But before he dives deep into these topics, he starts with the Beatitudes, in which he would describe the characteristics of a Christian, of a citizen of the kingdom of God, and ultimately the path to true happiness. So that's where we find ourselves in the Bible this morning, and we'll be exploring over the coming weeks. Now the first thing I want us to see from the Beatitudes this morning, is that they represent a dividing line between Christians, followers of Jesus, and non-Christians, non-followers of Jesus. To establish a thought, let's first look at Matthew 1-2. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and taught them. Now note, Jesus, Jesus saw the crowds, and he loved the crowds, but also note, when he sat down, his disciples came to him. His disciples came to him. That's when Jesus opened his mouth and began teaching. He was primarily teaching his disciples, not the crowds. Yes, the crowds could overhear the teaching, but the teaching was first and foremost directed to his disciples. Now, why would Jesus do this? Why would he direct a sermon just to his disciples? Well, the Beatitudes, in the Beatitudes, Jesus is painting a picture of a citizen of the kingdom of God. He's painting a picture of what a Christian is. He is saying, these are the characteristics that are evident in my followers. To further illustrate this point, consider... Who do you admire and why? So when I was a kid, I idolized Michael Jordan. I had the posters, I had the shoes, 
I had the chalk line jacket with his, with his face on the back. Do you remember that? The red and white jacket. I loved his competitiveness. I loved his skill and heroic feats. And I loved that he won. Now, though, my heroes have shifted. I'm grateful for the pastors who minister the word to me in gospel integrity. Community group leaders who pointed out evidence of grace. Friends who confessed sin and sought repentance. Brothers and sisters who are day in, day out, fighting the good fight, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, serving as peacemakers, willing to be misunderstood for the sake of the gospel. Our heroes, those we admire, tell us a lot about ourselves and the values that are ruling our hearts. Who are we admiring in our lives and why? Who are we devoting our time and attention to? Who are we seeking to emulate? For the Christian, the values of the kingdom of heaven rule our hearts. This world is an entryway into something vast and glorious and eternal. We are strangers and pilgrims here on this earth. In this life, if this life were all there is to us, would we be poor in spirit? Would we mourn over sin? Would we be happy to be persecuted for righteousness' sake? Happy to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. For the non-Christian, their kingdom is out of this world. This world is all there is. They must get everything they can while they live. So discern which kingdom is ruling your heart. Which takes us to our next point. Jesus stating that all Christians are meant to demonstrate all the characteristics of the Beatitudes. He's saying that we are to be poor in spirit, mourning over sin, meek, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, and ultimately happy to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. We're not called to specialize in one or two. This isn't Chipotle, as much as I love Chipotle. We don't choose what Beatitudes we want to exhibit. With the Beatitudes, this isn't an option kind of thing. Jesus is preaching, and he is stating that all of his disciples are going to exhibit all of these characteristics. And not only that, and not only are all Christians going to demonstrate all the characteristics of the Beatitudes, but the promises of the Beatitudes are both glorious and guaranteed. These promises are glorious. Take a moment and let's just nibble on some of these promises. If you exhibit the Beatitudes, yours is the kingdom of heaven. You shall be comforted. You shall inherit the earth. You shall be satisfied. You will receive mercy. You shall see God. You shall be called, called sons of God. Your reward is great in heaven. Now, we will feast on these promises over the coming weeks, but in reading them, isn't your heart just warmed? Isn't your appetite to display the Beatitudes grown. Now note, these promises are not just glorious, but they're also guaranteed. Jesus says, you shall, you shall, you shall. 
Charles Spurgeon once preached, oh, I love God's shalls and wills. There is nothing comparable to them. Let a man say shall, what is it good for? I will, says man, and he never performs. I shall, says he, and he breaks his promise. But it is never so with God's shouts. Well, the Beatitudes are a collection of God's shouts. And as if we needed any more assurance of these promises, since they are coming from the mouth of Jesus, these promises are guaranteed as well because they are grounded, they're grounded in the bedrock promises of the Old Testament as well. Just listen to these scriptures from Isaiah, from the Psalms, and from 2 Samuel. So Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed to me, anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort all who mourn. Then you have Psalms 37.10-11. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek, the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Isaiah 55, 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. 2 Samuel twenty two twenty six, With the merciful... You show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. And finally, Psalm 24, 3 through 4. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, and who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. The promises of the Beatitudes are solid. Firm promises coming from our Lord and even centuries before his first coming. Now at this point, you may be thinking, duh, I want all these promises to be true of me. I desire to be part of God's kingdom. I desire to be comforted. I desire to be satisfied, to receive mercy, to see God. But I also wonder, are the Beatitudes true of me? Are these promises for me? Am I displaying the qualities of the Beatitudes, which are the necessary conditions for me to experience these glorious promises? Well, friends, take heart. None of the Beatitudes come naturally. Exhibiting these characteristics is a supernatural gift of grace. The Beatitudes are by God's grace, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and informed by the Bible. As Christians, with the Spirit's help, as we dwell upon and learn more and more about the nature of God and the truths of the gospel, we will be transformed into the Beatitudes descriptors. Consider Isaiah and Isaiah 6. Think about that passage. He saw the King of Kings high and lifted up with angels, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What happened to Isaiah at that moment? Well, he became poor in spirit. 
If you're a Christian, if you've seen the goodness and glory of the Lord in some way in your life, if you've seen and confessed your sin to the Lord, and if you've turned from your sin and trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, well then, God has sealed you with his Holy Spirit and planted these qualities in your heart. Here's 2 Peter 1-3, and be assured, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. If you are a Christian, the Beatitudes may still be in seedling form. They may be as grand as a great oak tree in your life, but take heart, they are there. Which brings us to our final point. If we are demonstrating the qualities of the Beatitudes, then we are on the path to true happiness. Let's briefly consider the word blessed. In the Greek, the word blessed comes from the word makarios, which literally means happy. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are the meek. Happy are those persecuted for righteousness' sake. And we know our lives are built and made for the glory of God. But, as John Piper says, when we are satisfied in the Lord, he who is most satisfied in the Lord, when we are satisfied in the Lord, we bring glory to the Lord. So while we don't chase after happiness, we chase after the Lord's glory. We do find happiness when we exhibit the qualities of the Beatitudes. So remember, makarios, Greek word for happy. It's related to the word asher, which can be found in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Blessed is that man. That Hebrew word is asher, which is related to makarios. And Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there's no deceit. Happy. Happy are those who exhibit the Beatitudes. In seed, in growing green shoots, in great oak tree form. Happy. And why can we be happy? Why? Because we have God. For he makes known to us the path of life. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 1611. So, remember that song, Happiness, from the beginning of the sermon? Well, let's listen to a different song. The song of the Christian. Our song. If we have Jesus, if we truly confess Christ as our Lord and Savior. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is our story. This is our song. Praising our Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst 
on my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I, in my Savior, am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is our story, this is our song, praising our Savior all the day long. Friends, the Beatitudes are a high and lofty calling. They distinguish the Christian from the non-Christian. Christians are called to display each of these characteristics. The promise of the Beatitudes are glorious and guaranteed. And we can take heart because displaying them is a supernatural gift of grace. From the Lord, for those who confess Christ as Lord and Savior. Now for communion this morning, let's remember Jesus, who was the greatest embodiment of the Beatitudes that ever lived. Yes, Moses was meek and Elijah was persecuted, but was there ever a man who was poor in spirit, who mourned more, who was meeker, who hungered and thirsted for righteousness more, who was pure in heart, who was a greater peacemaker, the peacemaker, and ultimately who was persecuted for righteousness' sake? Was there ever anyone who was persecuted for righteousness' sake more than Jesus? He was truly, he was truly gentle and lowly in heart. He truly considered others more significant than himself. He was truly pure in heart. He was the great peacemaker. And in the end, he was persecuted. He was stricken. He was smitten more than any of us could ever have imagined or comprehend. All so we could experience God's forgiveness, his kindness, his friendship, and his blessing so he could place us on the path to true happiness. And as we've contemplated this morning, what blessedness truly was earned for us by Jesus. In communion today, we can come to the table feeling overwhelmingly humbled that he would set us apart for the blessings of the Beatitudes and feeling overwhelmingly grateful because it was all earned by his life and his death, and his resurrection. So in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26, Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Come, 
let us remember the Lord this morning grateful that he has atoned for our sins. Grateful that he has made us citizens of his kingdom. And so grateful that we can look forward to such great promises as we exhibit the qualities of his kingdom of the Beatitudes more and more. Let's come to the table.